Unwrap your gift now, but pay later. Right now at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Put no money down, no payment, and no interest for up to 24 months. Our elves work year-round, installing in as little as a day. Offer ends December 31st. Visit PellaWI.com. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Come join the conversation on the WTMJ Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. Now, filling in for Jeff Wagner, here's your host, Ryan Recker. Oh, boy. All right. I hate when the headlines are all negative. There's been so much of that as of late. And maybe we can try to find nicer things to talk about. But when the stories are, hey, look at what's going on in Buffalo. And now there's reports of looters taking advantage of the situation. I don't know how you go positive. It's going to be tough. You can uh, reach the show, call or text 855-616-1620. I'm watching it right now. Southwest Airlines cancellations causing more headaches, including right here in Milwaukee. As you find out that today there were even, what, two dozen or so flights and departures that were canceled at Mitchell. And it's going to continue on. I'm sure we're going to see more examples of this as we watch the different uh, flight awares and the websites that kind of monitor these sort of things. And what a miserable experience. It's already stressful every time you go to the airport to begin with. And I've traveled out of Mitchell a couple of different times. And there was one time I got to the airport early because, like, oh, you know, I got some time. And this is back in August when WTMJ brought me in to do the, the state fair. And I was like, okay, you know, I hung around the state fair for a while. I ate everything I could because they were bringing us food. And there's only so many cheese curds you can stuff down your throat before you say, I better get out of here, right? So I had to the airport, and I get ready to fly back to my family, and there was a delay after delay after delay. And I think I was there an extra four hours. And because I was there four hours, they closed the restaurants early. So there's only like the one terminal I was in, there's like a pizza shop. And I think there's like an Applebee's. And that's about it. There wasn't really anything else around you. And then when you're taking an evening or afternoon flight and they close those early and you're delayed an extra four or five hours or whatever, it's a lot of boredom and hunger. You can only eat so many snacks or drink so much Pepsi out of a, you know, vending machine before... You start to get a little antsy. I can't imagine what it would be like to be stuck in that same situation for days for some in different airports around the country. That's been the reality. Some have been sleeping at the airport because they had no other place to go. Others have family or whatever it may be. Some may be on vacation and just can't afford to go to a hotel. And some of these airlines, and I think Southwest may be included. Maybe I shouldn't say this because I don't know this for sure. But when it comes to weather delays... Certain laws are written where they don't necessarily have to put you up in a hotel because, oh, it's not our fault, so what can you do? It's not safe, so sorry, you're on your own. And people can't afford that. They don't want to go spend an extra 150, 200 bucks or whatever, transportation, food and everything. So they decide to sleep on the airport floor. That's terrible. And they're lucky enough maybe to have a dry spot on the floor and not a place where there's a broken water pipe leaking And we've seen some of the airports also having some busted pipes. That's a big shame. Um, And Southwest is getting some scrutiny, and rightfully so. I think that when all these other airlines have found ways to work around the weather, Southwest has done the worst job. And now that even feds are stepping in to take a peek at this. But if you look at all of the different problems that different areas have, 
Some places they have no heat. Some places they have no power. Some places the busted water pipes are still leaking. Some places the airline travels and delays and cancellations. Some places they can't get to the store and, you know, they need formula or they need diapers or they need insulin. Or some places I heard, like in Buffalo, where they can't get around, they can't get to dialysis. You know how painful that is when you have, you know, chronic kidney disease or anything else that may require dialysis. And that's life-saving. Uh, in some places, you know, it's just easy enough, like, oh, trash missed this week. <laughs> you know, that's like the easiest thing to have to not worry about. But it's been a rough week for so many different people. And the thing that I hate the most about this is that in some places, you look out for your neighbors. You check in on your neighbors. I hope they're okay, particularly elderly neighbors. Oh, I hope they're doing fine. So you just make it a point to be overly cautious and check in with them. In Buffalo, that's what you would hope would happen. You have at least a relationship with your neighbors that you can call them if available. If they can't, you go and just check on them real quick. Because the worst case scenario is, you know, they're stuck inside or some emergency happened and they have no ability to try to get help. Or maybe help can't even get to them and you being next door are the only help they can get. This is what really made me angry. In Buffalo, looters thought this was a great opportunity to take advantage of the emergency. In Buffalo and upstate New York, places that have been just covered with snow, businesses have been robbed because the police can't respond to them. They're already working in so many different emergencies and trying to save lives that even if a business knew they were getting robbed, as in they weren't actually showing up because, you know, why open up in the middle of a blizzard? Well, someone busts a door in or breaks a glass or whatever, they'll hop in, steal whatever they want, and they leave, and there'll be almost no repercussion because what, what are the police going to do? Uh, They have other more important things to worry about, emergencies all across the area. And as the mayor of Buffalo, Byron Brown, points out to to, uh, reporters, this is the lowest of low. And I agree, lowest of low, to think that some people, most people, I would say, would first think to check on their neighbors and to look at the well-being of the people around them. And then some automatically think, well, I'm just going to go steal a TV. Or this might be a good time for me to go get a smartphone. Or maybe I'll go in there and, I don't know, grab all the beef jerky in a 7-Eleven. Crime during blizzards and things like this, you know, or, oh, yeah, let's go into the wireless store. Let's go into the furniture store. Let's go into all these places and steal whatever you want. Uh, Crime just doesn't stop. And even we're coupling this up with the Christmas weekend. It's Christmas weekend, and we're seeing crime continuing in places like Milwaukee, where you can just be an innocent bystander and a stray bullet could kill you in your car with your seven-year-old in the back seat. You can't even put the gun away for a Christmas weekend? Are you kidding me? It's just so disheartening. I want to find better stories, more positive stories, people out there that are helpers and wanting to do the good thing. But over and over again, you're confronted with people that just want to do evil. And it's so disheartening. What a great way to open up the show, filling in for Jeff Wagner. That'll warm your heart up. Uh, at least the temperatures are going to get a little bit better the next couple of days, hopefully melt away a lot of what we got. Coming up after the break, I saw People Magazine did a piece on Nick Cannon, and they were talking about him being such a great father. Him being such a great father of soon-to-be 12 kids with six moms. So, such a great father. Let's talk about that article and some of the arguments that are being made now that he's not a good father. Uh, maybe you can weigh in on this after the break at 855-616-1620. We'll take your calls and text messages. I'm Ryan Recker, filling in for the next three hours on WTMJ.
Producer Charlie, you said this is Akon. Is that who you're playing right now? That's correct. Okay, you're telling me the only reason you know this is Akon is because it was on one of your favorite albums? I wouldn't call it my favorite album. I would just say it was a CD that I got for Easter one year. What was it called? Um, Now That's What I Call Music Volume 17. Now that's what I call music, Volume 17. Those were so popular. They used to air them on television uh, commercials and everything, like infomercial style. Because, you know, why wouldn't you want all of the greatest pop hits on one album? I get that. Thank you for the Akon, because it is handy here. He was asked during an interview regarding the children of Nick Cannon. I want to get to that in just a second. I want to read some of these text messages coming in. Uh, One person said, my daughter was flying back from El Paso to Milwaukee yesterday, but her flight was canceled. Southwest couldn't get her on a flight until January 1st. Would only pay for one night in a hotel. Do the math. Mm, That's more than one night. I feel terrible. One person said, oh, regarding the problems with looters in Buffalo right now, someone said, funny how scavenging emergency supplies is looting if they're black? It's so funny. Some people try to force this into a racial issue, but I don't know how you can defend the looting when they're out there looting like electronic stores, like Cricket Wireless, Aaron's Rentals. You know, it's not like they're going in there trying to find medication. I mean, (laughs) it's ridiculous. So, again, unnecessarily trying to associate race with it is kind of a lousy thing to do. Another text message, dude, let's face it, without any importance of God, family, laws, and accountability, human beings turn into animals. I hate to add to your pessimistic start of the show, but that's pretty much what's happening. Let's uh, look at this one. Uh, Merry belated Christmas, Ryan. Mine sucked. I hear you, Jeff. Mine did too. Um, But I I hear you. You're not alone. Thank you for the text messages. Here's another one. Uh, here's a text message. It's not too difficult to be a good father when it's convenient. Ooh, that's on this topic. So let's go into this now. There was a story in People Magazine that was profiling celebrity musician Nick Cannon. I think mostly he's known for the host of one of the reality shows, or at least was the host. He said some racist things before, and he had like a radio show, I think, on satellite radio, got kicked off and put back on. But it's so funny because... It it didn't really matter. He's kind of an activist, too, so he'll show up sometimes on the streets of marches, stuff like that. But the only I don't really know him for anything other than him being the host of it's it's the one of the reality shows where they go on and do the talent show stuff. But he's known, well known. And Nick Cannon is also known for having a lot of children. He has 12 kids, soon to be 12 kids. He's got 11 with the 12th on the way with six different women. And they profiled him in People magazine. And they were talking about, oh, what a great dad he is. Oh, he's just, uh, how hard is it to be a dad of 12? Oh, it's so hard, but, you know, being a great dad is the most important thing in the world. And he goes on and on and on. And there's a lot of criticism online for him right now, and rightfully so, as people like to point out, how is it possible for you to be a good dad when you have 12 kids spread out over six women? Obviously, you're not going to be able to be there for them all the time, let alone you're going to be picking and prioritizing certain kids over others. And I think about this past Christmas. Uh, If you have six different moms of your children with these 12 kids, then you can't spend six 
different locations for Christmas, can you? I mean, if they're all over the country. Uh, and if that's the case, then what? You're going to be on a schedule like, oh, I'm going to be with you kids on Christmas this year, and the next year I'll be this one, and next year I'll be that. So what, it, once every six Christmases you're going to be able to spend it, if at all? And don't you think their kids may care that their dad is nowhere to be seen most of the year? And it's tough being a celebrity dad, I'm sure, because you have the filming schedules, you're doing TV, you're doing radio, you're doing all these things, and you're in these big metropolitan areas where you're doing these things. It means that your schedule is already full. Where are you making that time for the kids then, let alone all the other kids that aren't in the same household because they're with different women? So this was the criticism that he was receiving online, and they asked during an interview the rapper Akon about it because he's got, I think, nine kids. And they said, hey, about this piece, do you think Nick Cannon's a good dad? He's got 12 kids with six different moms. And I want you to hear this response from Akon. Can we play that clip? Do you agree like Nick Cannon and his spreading of his seeds? 100%. Oh, I agree no. with him 1,000%. Oh, but no. That's how life is supposed to be. No, no, no. Why not? Because he's rich. No, but this he's, is... No, see, on, wait, on, wait, on, wait, on. wait, 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 wait. Okay, go on. He's rich. He's responsible. Is he? Yes, he no. takes care of everyone else's okay, children. But, no, but this is the... And point. the baby mother's with it. And no. they hurt for nothing. And they live comfortably. You no, know, but what about the kids, though? What about them? Because this is what I mean about men, right? You guys think that just having kids and giving money is enough. But what oh, about the time? No. He's there for every How? one of them. How? There's no way that you can Are be... you serious, Are Nick? He's there for every single one of those kids. There's no way that you could have... Yes, okay. it is. I got nine. And I'm there for every one of them. So every single time you're at every single recital. No, that's a white man's thing. Who cares oh. about a recital? No. My what? job, oh no, seriously, my job is to, tr listen, my job is to raise my kids. No, but this is. Hold on. Go to on. To be responsible. Yeah. To be understanding, to protect their mother, to, you know, to, um, to, to give hand with their father and assist with family planning and to be responsible adults. Okay, so that's the end of the clip. Basically, what Akon was saying was he pays for the kids' lives, the baby mama's life. And you know what? They're financially taken care of. That's all you need the dad to take care of. He said going to the recitals, the basketball games, the baseball games, the soccer matches, going to the kids' graduations. He says that's the white man's way of doing things. As long as you're paying money and the kid can have a roof over his head and food on the table, then you've done your dad duty. Do you agree with that? 855-616-1620. As long as he's given money and the checks are clearing, then he's a good dad. Is that all that's necessary in today's world? 855-616-1620. We're going to take your calls, your messages after the break. I'm Ryan Recker filling in on WTMJ. All right, the Nick Cannon question. So People Magazine put a profile piece out discussing, oh, what, how difficult is it to be a good dad? Oh, Nick Cannon, who has soon to be 12 kids with six different women. Oh, it's so difficult, but it is so rewarding and so worth it. Oh, to borrow a term from the 90s, gag me with a spoon. All right, so a lot of people are disagreeing with this. They're saying that to be a good dad, you need more. You need financial. You need more than just financial support, and I think that's a really important thing to point out. So let's take some of your calls on this at eight five five six one six one six twenty. Let's go to Jeff in Fox Point calling in first. Jeff, welcome to WTMJ. Hi, go ahead. Hi, Ryan. I'm definitely in the gag me with a spoon club. Um, <laughs> I disagree that he is a a, a good father. Um, he probably has the money to support them all, but. 
he probably does not have the time that it, it takes to give the necessary personal attention to 12 kids. And if he is going to keep having special friendships with all these women, he needs to really rethink his contraception plan. Wow. Let's bring this up. Maybe relative to today's society, taking care of a child, the bar is so low, that makes you automatically a good dad. Is that possible? No, I, I don't think so, because um, they, they need the guidance in the upbringing so they don't, um, ha, you know, have trouble late, later in life with, with their personalities or things like that. Yeah, and I'm guessing a lot of these children are young, so they need a lot of attention, they need a lot of care, they need a lot of guidance, and I'm guessing that it's very difficult with a professional filming schedule if you're a television star you do a radio show the music whatever it is that you're being spread pretty thin that means you're taking the prior priority away from your children and it's tough enough you think about fathers working double jobs right now to make ends meet in some of these families and the be- doing the best that they can maybe both parents are working they still have to do everything they can to help the children and guide them i can't imagine them working double shifts and then having a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth family on top of that even though financially speaking they may be okay emotionally speaking i don't know if that's the case but all right jeff thank you very much for the call i appreciate yeah. it yeah all right uh let's take some more of your calls and text messages at 855-616-1620 and i see some of the text messages coming in one said good afternoon i have nine siblings all from the same father and mother my parents were married and together over 60 years both deceased now my childhood memories were those of being with my mother my father worked hard tried to get home so he didn't have to have a lot of time to interact in playtime no idea how nick cannon thinks he would be able to interact or even be involved with those children in so many different households and the akon side of it's such a weird twist which is you know, in the black community, that's that's a white thing going into the recitals. In the black community, as long as you're paying the bills and the cash is flowing through, then you're fine. That's a problem, and, and that's a perception I don't think is shared among many others in the community. They understand how important it is, and I think most fathers and parents do understand the role that a father has inside of the household. And when you are absent of that role, what that could do to the children, you have to put importance on that. We'll take some more of your calls at 855 616 one six twenty. Looking forward to those calls and text messages. These text messages are wild right now. We're looking at the story of Nick Cannon. So praised in People Magazine. Oh, you must be such a great dad, you know, because you love children so much. For having eleven children with six different women, or soon to be twelve children. You know, that's the problem. I tried to count, so I think it's soon to be twelve kids with six different women. Is that really ideal? I don't know. Does he make it work? I don't know. But what they're essentially saying is, mathematically speaking, you can't be there for all the kids at the same time, so you're going to be spreading yourself pretty thin. That means you're not going to be there for the recitals. You're not going to be there for the graduations. You're not going to be there for the first steps. You're not going to be there for the basketball and baseball games. You're not going to be there for a lot of things. The birthday parties, the Christmases, the first tooths, all these things that, I go back and think about with my children and what wonderful memories I have with them to be able to, 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 to share those moments with them. But intentionally speaking, you can't do it. But Akon swings in and says, don't criticize him as long as he's giving them money and financially supporting them. That's the only thing that matters in this situation. I think a lot of people disagree. I think being a dad is more than just being able to financially give to your kids and wife. Well, women that were 
former mobs. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. Uh, do you agree with Akon? Essentially saying, listen, as long as you're putting a roof over their head and feeding them, that's your role, Dad. That, that's your role. Uh, the other stuff's bonus. Here's a couple of text messages. Uh, he's so wrong. Uh, you need to be present in your kid's life. We wonder why we have so many messed up kids. It's, these studies are not uncommon where people point out the correlation between a father absent in a household or even a male, a man absent in the household, stepfathers, you know, things like that, then what that does to a child and how that can put them on the wrong path. Generally speaking, I know there's a lot of single moms that raise their children just fine. They have to make up for being the only one inside of the house, and it's not easy, and it's a very difficult thing to do. But you find that there's common thread in a lot of these different households where people turn to a life of crime, and it's a high number of them come from fatherless homes. That's not a coincidence. Uh, Just being able to financially help a family doesn't necessarily mean it's enough for that child. Another person said, it's amazing how that uh, people that we are uh, complete screw-ups in the world can easily justify and condone their behavior and their misgivings in life. Uh, okay, another text message said, Akon seems to be <laughs> like an you-know-what. <laughs> okay, uh, here's another one. Ask Herschel Walker's kids how important Stan's present is. Okay, uh, I don't know if there's a lot of... Complaints on that side. I haven't heard that, though. Uh, one person said, my father was deployed at sea most of my childhood. What are you saying about my father? Okay, that's a good point. Uh, maybe your dad was absent because they were in the service or whatever it is. That is an excuse that is basically a reason to be absent. In this case, the reason to be absent is well, I have a career in television, radio, and movies, or whatever, and I have another family over here, and another family over there, and another family over there, and another family over there, and another family over there. So five different families in other places. And you're continuing to have children on top of them. So I think even if your dad was deployed, um, I wonder how long the deployment would last. I mean, was it a majority of your childhood? That's kind of interesting. Um, But that's an interesting take. I think it is different from servicemen and women, though. One person says, being a dad and a father are different. Being a father takes work. Okay. One person said, Nick Cannon needs to get snipped. What do you mean Nick Cannon needs to get snipped? 855-616-1620. I'm looking at all these different text messages. There's so many of them that have come in here. And if you text it in, just feel free to call in. I'd rather have a conversation about this. One person says, well, daddy got to make money as long as they get what they need. See, that's the mentality. It's maybe not enough. I I go off of just this past Christmas. If you got six different households across the country and you're financially fine with it, that's great. How do you schedule that? You're like, okay, um, I'm just going to skip you for the next five Christmases. I'll make my rounds again. I'll see you in six years. And how available can you be uh, to the needs of those children? And is it just better to let the mom take care of the kids and the dad just to be hands-off? As in, we're going back to the 1940s or 50s or whatever, which is, hey, you know, that's the woman's job. Is that basically what we're equating this to? As long as I got the full-time income coming in, you know, I'll teach you how to ride a bike. I'll teach you how to drive a car. And then you're on your way. One person said, uh, let's see, kids don't care about money. Kids care about time and love. That's great. 
no more text messages. The real problem is not what Nick Cannon did, but the mindset that was apparent listening to the guy who tried to defend Nick Cannon, the idea that just saying you are a good dad makes you so. Mm. So the declaration of, hey, you know, I paid the money, I pay the, the mortgage, I pay for the food, thus I'm a great dad, so you must listen to me and my advice. I will tell you this, I'm not going to take any parenting advice from Nick Cannon or Akon. Zero chance of that happening. So I don't care what People Magazine is trying to do. But why do we glorify that so much? That we, we look at that as not abnormal, but we look at that as, oh, this is just modern parenting, having spread your family around six different women. Um, wow, there's so many text messages that are coming in here. We should probably take a break, and I'll take some more calls after the break at 855-616-1620. And this is what we're looking at. Nick Cannon, 12 kids, six moms. Soon to be 12 kids, I should say. And Akon came out and said, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, the dad's job is just to be financial support. They don't have to be there for the recitals. You don't have to be there for the birthdays or the Christmases. Just give them the money. That's all. That's your job. I think that being a father and a parent is more than just that, and I think the kids want and need more of that as part of their development. 855-616-1620. We'll be right back on WTMJ. Charlie! Producer Charlie! <laughs> you, you're busting that song out for this segment. Oh, that's so funny. That caught me off guard. I'm Ryan Recker filling in. <laughs> 855-616-1620. All right, a couple of text messages, and I'm going to take a call here in a moment. Uh, I wonder if people would say a mom is a good mom if she left the children and the father was only financially supporting them. That's a good point. Another person texted in, being a dad is mostly being grumpy and knowing things. It's a pretty good way to sum it up, I guess. Let's go to Tom, who's calling in. Welcome to WTMJ. Hi, Tom. Go ahead. Hi, Ryan. How are you? Are you Go, there? Ahead. Go ahead, I'm doing good. Okay, you know, the point I wanted to bring up, I know we're talking about the kids, and the kids, that's obviously very important. And, like, this one guy, he's got six women that he has different kids with. Well, what about the women? What about the moms? I mean, are mm-hmm. are they not supposed to be with any other guy, or are they allowed to have more kids with other guys? Hmm. You, you know, so, you don't talk about uh, the mom, and you don't talk about the woman as a wife either. So this is not like a polygamous relationship, meaning that he's married to them all at the same time. So I'm guessing they move on, right? They may have had some some connection with a Hollywood star or whatever, and then it doesn't work out. Right. I'm uh, guessing they move on to other men. Well, that's what I mean. And then, I mean, it's uh, it's basically a, kind of a free-for-all. And as long as the kids are supported with money, then it doesn't make a difference even if the mom oh. or the dad are there. So what, what you're saying is essentially that these kids may have other men in their life, so essentially they have another stepfather, so they're getting the nourishment that way. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But it's, yeah, but, that's but it's potential. not said. It's like I said, it's basically like a free-for-all. And, yeah. and the women, you know, if they have, so there's six and there's 12, so each one of them has two. But do they have kids with other men and that's is a good that point. Okay? i mean and is that okay with the guy who has 12 kids 
that yeah, definitely the women not that traditional with, and messy. I mean, there's right. a it's a yeah, messy web that they're weaving there. Um, Tom, exactly. thank you very much for the call. I, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Anything but traditional in that sense. So Nick Cannon may be financially responsible, but emotionally neglectful. And that's the best you can say in a situation like this. I wonder what the situation is. If some of the women may remarry and that's it. But let me put it this way. Uh, I'm going to guess they have boyfriends but don't remarry. Isn't the law that maybe the father is responsible if they were married and divorced so they would get the alimony or the checks or whatever child support up until they remarry sometimes you see that so they intentionally hold off on marrying until the checks no longer come in because the kids turn 18 you know it's one of those situations you've heard of that potentially perhaps well i guess in the sake of the kids even if their biological father's not there there could be the mother out there courting another guy so there is a fatherly figure in the home so they're not just abandoned in that sense yeah that's very potential that's actually a really interesting point um one person said in text message i have a friend that has seven kids by four different girls his kids have zero respect for him and he hardly ever sees or hears from them wow okay um another text message if i had just given money to my children and not helped them with their growing up they would not be the children they are today. Yeah, absolutely. That does change a person. 855-616-1620. I'd like to hear from you. Uh, what do you think of this situation? So People Magazine just writing a glowing review of just how great Nick Cannon is. And wow, how does he find the time to help raise these 11 soon-to-be 12 children from six different women? Well, because he doesn't. I mean, <laughs> you got to be more realistic in what's happening here. But maybe the kids are taken care of in other ways. 855-616-1620. We'll take a break. I'm Ryan Recker filling in on WTMJ. What, no cats in the cradle? Producer Charlie? That's... <laughs> oh, that was a perfect use of bumper music. 855-616-1620. Let's look at this real quick. A couple of text messages. We'll wrap this up here. 855-616-1620. Uh, this isn't the caveman days. Wouldn't you want to be more than just a provider? Yeah, I think so. One person said this is generational. It's unfortunate the kids will suffer from his selfishness. Okay. One person said, uh, do you think most rich couples always provide a loving home that many of us average folks envision? Nanny raised private schools. Okay. So it's a whole different life when you got money. I've seen that film before. Was it Richie Rich and all these other ones or whatever? Uh, one person said it shouldn't be the kid's decision, and uh, not Nick Cannon's decision, to only decide that he should be there financially. Uh, one said, what does Nick Cannon get out of absent kids? Hmm. That's interesting. What does he get out of it? You know, it's almost like they're pets at some point, right? Oh, I'm just going to go. I haven't, I haven't visited for a while. I better go say hi. Uh, that's a mean thing to say. I take that back. I don't know if that's the case, but, I mean, that's the kind of the mentality, but. That's probably too harsh to say. Uh, depending on the character, the guy, the children may be better off with his money and without him. Okay, uh, thank you for the text messages. I do appreciate that. Uh, one quick thing I wanted to bring up, because we only got a couple of minutes, and uh, we got a couple more hours left on the show, but still. I was looking at some stories online, and as it turns out, I didn't realize this was a thing, but apparently some hospitals offer you the ability to go in, 
It's about $1,000 or so, and you pay the 1000 bucks, and they give you a blood test, and it'll screen you for about 50 different types of cancer. So you could be a healthy person, everything could be fine, but you don't necessarily have to go get a scan because, hey, you know, you feel good, you feel strong, you're not sick, doctor doesn't notice any symptoms, nothing looks off. But some people are like, you know, I just want to be sure, but they don't want to put you on an MRI for no reason, or they don't want to give you a CAT scan or any of that stuff, just willy-nilly, because, you know, it's a very sophisticated piece of equipment that is always in need, and there's always a lineup of people that have more urgent needs for you to do it cosmetically would be silly. Like, people don't got time for that. So people still want to know, okay, is there anything internally going on that I need to know about? Do I have tumors? Do I have blood clots? Things like that. Well, apparently, you can get a screening if you go to certain hospitals. It's about $1,000. They'll give you a blood test, and it'll scan you and search for 50 different types of cancers. And if it detects a certain type of cancer, then it says, okay, time for you to go back. We'll get that more fancy scan. And as it turns out, people are finding out that they have tumors. Like one person went in. They were a relatively healthy person. They um, had found out they tested positive for a certain type of cancer, got a CT scan, and revealed they had a 7-centimeter tumor in the upper abdomen, about the size of a peach. Less than a couple of weeks later, they had surgery to remove the mass. Had a little chemotherapy to get rid of the remaining tumor cells, but ultimately was fine after that. But the early detection saved this person's life. I find it so fascinating, honestly, that someone can just go and get a blood test and determine if they have cancer. That's just so amazing to me. Uh, 855-616-1620. Uh, let's go to Chris, who's calling in. Welcome to WTMJ. Hi, Chris. Go ahead. Hi. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just wanted to comment on the last uh, story about Akon. Um, right. Uh, this sounds a little bit like my situation. I grew up in a family with uh, five um, uh, family members, and I had four brothers and sisters that were half, meaning my, my dad was um, with some additional women besides my, my mom. And I can say unequivocally that I'd rather my father had been there than for him to provide financially. I think there's a benefit from seeing, you know, your family go through those financial struggles, those um, ups and downs, um, and, and witnessing that versus your father being away and trying to provide for you. Um, financially, I think that's what he um, was providing for us as he was like in his role that's what he thought he needed but i needed his protection i needed his love his compassion and his presence Um, yeah let me ask you this looking back Uh, yeah um let's say this you're you're a child you know you have stepbrothers and sisters you already want more time with your dad and then you find out well your dad's having another kid with another woman somewhere else is there a jealousy factor? Is there anger? Thinking that while he, he, you know, there isn't already enough time for me, and he's going out and he's continuing to have kids. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I mean, that's how I feel. There's a little bit of animosity, a little bit of resentment, um, and the fact that he didn't give me the time that I needed. Um, and also, I mean, what about the brothers and sisters? I didn't get to meet them until I was older uh, uh, in, in age, and you know, that's time that I missed from from my half brothers and sisters because I do have a relationship with them. So. Um, I, I, I guess, you know, many folks are, are missing up the ball on this. It's not, you know, finances and, and, and material things. That's what, you know, parents are supposed to provide. But it's, it's those untangible, it's those things that, you know, you can't, you have to be there for to provide. So. Right. Okay. Well, Chris, thank you for your insight. I, I appreciate the honesty there. Thank you for that. It's a tough thing. Yeah, imagine you start to get a little bit older and you realize, 
Wow, I was really robbed. <laughs> well, hopefully they have some father figure, someone to help take care of them, because you need more than just the financial side in the upbringing. And a lot of people uh, commenting that, and a lot of people agreeing that on the text line here today at 855-616-1620. We're going to take a break. We'll take a look at your news. And after the break, we're also going to talk about this representative-elect out of the Bronx, George Santos, basically <laughs> lying about everything. I, I can't wrap my head around this, honestly. So we'll try to wrap it together after the break on WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now filling in for Jeff Wagner, here's your host, Ryan Recker. Looking at a story that really is getting a lot of people talking this morning, lying on the resume. I wonder how many people here have lied on a resume to the point and to the extent that Representative-elect George Santos admits to because it's, <laughs> I read this and first thought, you got to be kidding, right? It, there's no one's this stupid to lie about this many details of their life. But then at the same time, it's politics, and pretty much everyone in politics lies, right? I mean, is there such thing as a politician who's been 100% honest? Because if you were to set the threshold that if someone lies, then they must step down from office, then Joe Biden would step down from office. Like, everyone in politics have lied about their background. So let's look at the resume of Representative George Santos. I think he's from the Bronx. He's a Republican. He's set to be sworn in after the new year. And a lot of people are saying he should step down. Do you think, after you hear what he's (laughs) fabricated and lied about on this resume of his, that you think he should step down? Do you think he should say, you know, I take it back. Maybe this whole House of Representatives thing is not for me. 855-616-1620 is the number to call. I would like to hear your thoughts on this one. I don't think he steps down. I don't think this is enough to step down. But I do think that this is a terrible start, and I don't know why anyone should trust him. (laughs) It's going to be so ineffective. So let's look at some of the things he lied about. Uh, One, he fabricated a big part of his campaign. Um, He said that his embellishments on his resume he's sorry for. He admitted that he never worked directly with Goldman Sachs or Citigroup in his previous claims of employment were a poor choice of words. So what exactly does that mean? Well, he worked for a company that had Goldman Sachs and Citigroup as clients. So he, as part of campaigning and talking about his resume, said, oh, they were my clients, like I worked for them. Well, no, you didn't actually work for them. You worked with them, perhaps, as a different party, sure. He also said he went to college, and that's a lie. He actually did not go to college. Not good. He also lied about his ancestry, which this one is so confusing. He says it's more or less just the wrong choice of words. And for some people, he said that he's, he's claiming he never said he was Jewish, but there's been people to point out that you talked about your grandparents being Jewish to the point that they escaped the Holocaust. And he said, no, 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 no. I'm a Catholic. I learned from my maternal family, had a Jewish background. I said I was Jew hyphen ISH. So not Jewish, but Jewish, right? You see? the. Uh, so he's going out there trying to set the record straight after all of these things he said were not true. Financial disclosures, if he lied on financial disclosures and he actually broke the law that way, that's a whole different story. That's yet to be seen uh, if he committed fraud. But let's put it this way. 
totally embarrassing. Two things. He ran for office in 2020 and lost. Ran again here for 2022 and ended up winning as the Republican candidate. Uh, Some people said he was running as the first openly gay candidate on the ballot this year. But some people pointed out, hey, you were married to a woman. (laughs) So that's not true either, is it? There's so many things about his background that it's just like you you wanted to say anything you could that would make you electable, that would make you look like you're a great candidate. And it worked. This is another thing. You're in New York. You're running for Congress. And you're telling me that your opposition never researched you? All of these things could have been easily debunked, and the people you ran against for office didn't even take the time to double-check any of these credentials? Like, how could that happen? Two different election cycles with different candidates. So a lot of people are saying, enough's enough, all right? These are so many lies. It's so blatant that, you know what, you should just get out of here, right? You should just, before you even are sworn in, step down. I don't think he needs to do that unless they find out he actually committed fraud on some of these like financial disclosures. But other than that, no. Uh, very embarrassing, and no one should trust him. <laughs> 855-616-1620. And, you know, a lot of people say he should be gone. Let's go to Jack real quick before we go to break. Jack, welcome to WTMJ. Go ahead. Hey, this is just a funny story. Um, it's a story about, get this, a politician lying. <laughs> okay, I mean, I mean, come on, guys. This is commonplace. All right, this is commonplace. I mean, our own sitting president, you know, when, when he was first in Congress or in, yeah, in Congress or Senate, he was talking about that he uh, graduated top in his law class. Yeah, Senate. And yeah, turns out that no, he was pretty close to the bottom. All right, um, during, during this last election, um, the twenty twenty election, um, the sitting president said that. He never talked to his son, Hunter, about business, okay? Now, I'm a father. I have three kids. Every time I see them, I ask them how's work going, you know, because that's an important part of their life, okay? I asked that when they were younger, you know, when they were 25, 26 years old, to see if they're going to be moving back home anytime soon. So I was always checking to see how things were going at work, you know? Um, it's, yeah, you know, so, I think it's so, very likely so, they so discuss the those things. Yeah, so, so for the Democrats to ask somebody, to, to you know to resign because of lying, okay. They should actually ask the sitting president to do that because he's done it on numerous occasions. Okay. Mm. I wish the politicians would take care of the border. I wish they take care of our economy. I mean, the, the guys that signed off on that 1.7 trillion dollar spending bill. I mean, it's, I can't figure it out. You know, I'm not this thing. It's not something that put in the budget, and it's just you know pork here, pork there. You know, and yep. the American people. We're busy planning Christmas vacation and buying presents, and they weren't paying attention. You know, we got to watch these guys all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jack, for the call. we got to keep an eye on these guys. All right, so Jack doesn't think he should step down. Do you think this representative should step down? 855-616-1620. He's a Republican out of the Bronx. Lots of fibs on the resume. 855-616-1620. We'll take some more calls and texts coming up. After the break, I'm Ryan Recker on WTMJ. A lot of people talking about this representative-elect out of New York, George Santos, admits to fabricating key parts of his bio. Is it more than just fabricating, and is it enough for him to step down? A lot of Democrats think so. Uh, They want him out of here. 
George Santos, 855-616-1620. Some text messages. One person said, for the record, embellishment means to add extra details that are often untrue. In contrast, he created a false narrative or reality that's simply called lying. Uh, yeah, there's a... <laughs> It's so weird to see him say, no, I didn't say I was Jewish. I said I was Jew-ish. There's a difference. And you have to look at it spelled out to understand it. So you can say you have Jewish heritage, but he's like, no, I'm a Catholic. I said I have Jewish tendencies, like J-E-W-I-S-H. He's like, it was a poor choice of words. I understand that now, but, you know, you get it, right? Just, you understand. No, I think people understand that you wanted to lead a certain impression for votes. <laughs> it's lousy. <laughs> That's terrible. Another text message said uh, he flees Brazil after getting arrested for stealing checks from the elderly woman his mother was a caretaker for. See, that's the thing. He denies that outright. I don't know if that's true or not. That's a whole different thing because that could be a criminal aspect. And if it's a criminal aspect, then you have to treat this differently than just lies, I think. Another text message a uh, line is a prerequisite for being a politician. It's in the DNA. <laughs> I hate to think that, honestly, that every politician I've ever enjoyed or loved or thought that were great are just a whole bunch of liars, and they're no different than anyone else. I'm a big fan of Rand Paul. I think he's great. I, I've liked Rand Paul for a long time. I was a fan of Trey Gowdy when he was a representative. I thought he was great, too. I thought that the ideas that they brought up and the way they challenged certain people of authority, particularly Rand Paul today, um, I admire that. It would be devastating for me to find out Rand Paul was like this. <laughs> it would be devastating. And it's not to say that I put a lot of trust in government to begin with. Uh, one person says, uh, this guy wants to talk about presidents lying, okay? Another person says, Ryan, uh, Paul Ryan lied about full repeal and replacement of Obamacare. That's why he didn't run again. Uh, he succeeded in dividing the party. Okay, so Sam, not a fan of Paul Ryan and digging that back up. 855-616-1620. I, you know, I worry about this, too, that what if this is just a troll? This was my suspicion. When someone lies about so much like this, they're doing it to troll as in give the impression that they're serious, but really they're not. It's all like a performance art and somehow it got out of control because there's just so many details to this guy's background that just don't add up or make sense. Before we go to break, let's go to Dennis from the South Side. Welcome to WTMJ. Hi, go ahead, Dennis. Hey, thanks for taking my call. You know, I I, I don't believe what he did was right at all, okay? He was, he was completely wrong in, in trying to bamboozle the public to get himself elected. Having said that, though... <laughs> I, th I think he's probably going to fit in quite well with the, with the politician crowd in in, uh, in D.C. <laughs> and as far as, as, far as the, uh, I mean, isn't that one of the prerequisites? You got to be able to fill a fib here and there. But but again, as far as the uh, Democrats, you know, wanting to get rid of him, yeah, I, I just I just thinking, you know, I'm reminded of the story of when they brought the adulterer before Jesus, and he sat down and started writing in the sand, you know, and then says, mm -hmm. you know. Those of you without anything, go ahead and cast the first stone, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know how many of those Democrats would still be hanging around. You know what I'm saying? If that was the threshold, yeah. I believe that there. it's easy probably to find pretty much every politician caught in something along these lines, as in fabricating their past yeah. to make them look better. Yeah, yeah that's true. Exactly. 
All right, Dennis, thank you for the call. Appreciate that. 855-616-1620. would that be great? They, they put him up in the front of Congress. Uh, what say you? Shall he be expunged? No, that expunged ain't the right word. Uh, banished. Shall he be banished from Congress? And then everyone starts yelling and cheering on the Democrat side. And then they say, all right, uh, step forward to banish him if you've never told a lie. <laughs> and then what would happen? They'd all like, oh, guess I can't do that. Yeah, no, I get it, but still, it's not good. It's actually pretty quite terrible. <laughs> and I don't think anyone's going to trust him. Why would they in the future? So you're pretty much losing any ability to get anything done. No one's going to want to work with you. I don't know if they're going to assign you any committees. And still, anytime you even question someone, let's say you are in the committee, they're always going to, like, in the back of their mind, think, why should we be listening to this guy here who can't even tell a, a truth? Like, a, how, how are they going to present anything? that is truthful, knowing their background. So it's, he could be so ineffective, it might not just be worth it. But no, I don't think he has to resign. I just think that now this is, you know, this is pretty much the, the legacy you've created for yourself. So dumb. All right, we'll take a break. I'm Ryan Recker filling in on WTMJ. Thanks for all the messages on that. There's a story on WISN. They did a investigative piece where they were looking at an apartment complex who's out of heat. And you're thinking, wow, the temperatures have been brutally cold. What do you mean, out of heat? This would probably be a priority to fix, you would think. This is over on 29th and Highland, and they did this piece with the people inside who said they've been trying to get this fixed for a long time, some of which say even go back to November, and here we are on December 27th. It took them that long to finally respond and get someone in there after this bitter cold that went through. Can we play clip three? Put my hoodie on, two mm-hmm. hats, gloves. And I got on three pairs of socks. Cassandra Offord says she puts on all these layers just to be in her own apartment these days. I put all them blankets on me. And I just been under it. She says her apartment building has been without heat since Thanksgiving. Ever since owner Smart Asset said Barada Properties was taking over management and renovating the building. You can see your breath in here. Next door, hell, a nightmare. It's been freezing in here. Elise Williams keeps her gas stove burning to stay warm. She says her heating issue goes back even further. I never felt heat. That's why I asked uh, the one from Smart Assets on the 15th of October, where's the heat? Where's the heat? She says nothing was done. Yeah. You imagine that the, the reporter walks into this apartment and there is the gas stove with the flames on because it's their source of heat. And Hannah Hilliard is the one that was reporting there. It, it's so terrible. They go into the house and this poor woman, she's just layered in clothing. And she's like, I, you know, I got to wear three socks and long johns and pants and you know, and I got to do double shirt and jacket. And this poor reporter's in there, too. And she's dressed in her winter jacket and gloves just to talk to the person inside of their apartment. There is some insulation. It's not like it's, you know, 30 degrees inside of there. But it was in the 50s, and that's very uncomfortable, and it's not healthy for women of that age or anyone of that age to have to be sitting in that all day. So as they start to investigate this, this is what always happens. And I I get 
a little disheartened because on the one hand, it's actually good that when there's light shined on a problem, particularly when a radio station or a television station shines some light on a problem, it gives a little pressure for that organization to fix the problem. In this case, it sounds like they got out there and tried to fix it immediately after the report. But why didn't they listen to their tenants and understand, at least from a humanity standpoint, that if you have elderly people living in your properties that have no heat, when we're talking about overnight temperatures with the wind chills below zero, multiple days in a row, you can't go out there and look at that as a priority unless you're shamed by the local media. It's terrible. It is just absolutely terrible. And I, I feel for anyone else that may be fighting this right now, and you may have it in your own home, and you find that it's difficult to even get someone out at your home right now. Even though it's an emergency, there's so many other people having them, you might be without power for a day. You might be without electricity for a day. That's devastating, too, because there's not a lot of backup, and you might not actually have a place to go to during that time of need for you. But imagine this is your only place to go. And for a month or weeks, or it doesn't even matter, you have to beg people to come out there and fix this sort of problem. It sounds like it was fixed towards the end of the story. I guess the property owner said that it was related to a malfunctioning heat, uh, something. The maintenance contractors were on site by that afternoon, and they said they're in the process of moving uh, because they need help and they need to get somewhere else. Uh, process of moving from their home. So uh, some of these different people, they're like, I'm not putting up with this. Fix it or not, I can't live here anymore, which I can't blame them. Why would you want to trust a, a property like that if that's the way they treat you? Uh, 855-616-1620. That's the call uh, number if you want to call or text. Some other things I want to get to a little bit later in this hour, and we've got about an hour and a half here. Home prices are slipping. They're slipping for another month. When I was listening to some of the experts, they had some ideas of what people, particularly 35 and younger, are doing in order to purchase a home. And then the question is asked, do people under 30 no longer dream of owning a home? Based on how difficult it is to get it, is that dream gone forever? We're going to discuss that and maybe get your own thoughts on it coming up, too. Looking at some of the text messages coming in, um, one said, when I worked as an EMT in Milwaukee, this was very common. A lot of the locations we went to had their oven doors open while on and the gas burners on. It was heartbreaking. I don't know how you can treat elderly people like this. If you own a property and you just neglect things that are life-saving, like having heat and the ability to have heat after they, they live there, knowing that this is a requirement in order to keep them as tenants. It's not like it's a luxury item, heat when it's bitterly cold. This is a life-saving necessity. And some people take advantage of these elderly people. It's just absolutely heartbreaking. And I agree with that one text message. Uh, one person said, um, ooh, uh, I'll say this in general, but not too happy with the company. Uh, they repair things to the bare minimum. My advice, don't live. Uh, do your research. Okay, maybe that's a good thing. If people have a lot of complaints about them not fixing things like heat in the winter, really do your research. Don't patronize those people. There are good people that maintain properties that do the work, and those are the ones that you should be giving your money to, not these ones that will take advantage of you. And I do feel really bad in some ways. Maybe this was the only option for some of these people. Maybe it was the only thing that they had. 
Uh, one person said, I'm curious of the people said they haven't had heat since October and November. Did they complain to the city of Milwaukee or did they uh, have they been out for a few days and forced them to get heat going? Now, part of that story in WISN. So thanks for the text message. They mentioned that they tried to turn it on a couple of months ago and it didn't work going back to October. And they tried to get it fixed back then, but even then they were being ignored. So they've been trying to get this worked on for months, and still nothing is done. Uh, One person said, I contacted my Milwaukee landlord once about heat not being on and my apartment being in the lower 50s. Her response was, wear a sweater. Not a good response. Hopefully you got that in writing. That, those are the types of things that you want in writing so you can show to a judge when you break the lease and saying, this is why I don't live there anymore. They tried to kill me. They tried to kill me in this apartment by not fixing the heat when the temperatures are below zero. Uh, that's, I think, worth mentioning. Thank you for all the text messages. That's a shame that people do take advantage of the elderly that way and other people that I'm sure live in those apartments, low-income housing. So going back to the housing market in general, and people are continuing to monitor it, and I've been monitoring it very closely. I'm going to be in the process of selling my home very soon, and I'm very nervous about it. The home market was riding hot and heavy for a long time after the pandemic and even the year after and even earlier up until this year. Things were going really, really well, and it was a great time to sell your home. The next thing you know, uh, inflation continues to get high. They keep going up and up and up and up. Tell you, President Biden's policies not helping things, and they really waited a long time to try to fight this inflation by raising rates. They were too late. They go up aggressively. So now you have mortgage rates still high. Inflation is still high. People are not buying or they're hesitant to buy because of one of two things. They're afraid maybe that if they sell the house they're in right now, uh, they're not going to be able to upgrade. In fact, it's going to be more difficult to get another loan, so they're just going to stay put where they are. Sometimes people just don't have the financial resources because everything else costs more, and they're afraid to take the risk of another home. They're putting their money in other things, food, energy, whatnot. And then the hesitancy of looking into the future. What if their job has another round of layoffs because the economy is doing so poorly? Uh, Could that be another possibility? And a lot of people are just holding back. So there's not as many people buying. And when there's not as many people buying and there's not a lot of competition, that normally drives home prices down. Like when the market was hot and you had 10 offers and people were offering you over asking price, that was great because you had options. And the competition meant that you were getting top dollar. But if you put a house on the market right now, what you're finding is that there's still a demand, but instead of getting 10 or 11 offers, you might get one or two, if you're lucky to. There might be a little bit of an option there. The only thing that's keeping the housing market afloat, from what I understand, is that the supply is still low, meaning that there are still people that need places to live, and there's just not enough housing for that. You've seen in large metropolitan areas, mostly on the east and west coast, the Californias, Washington, Oregon's, New York's, whatever, some of these places outside of the Midwest have some pretty severe housing problems. They're just not able to keep up. Even in Milwaukee, when I was looking at homes in Milwaukee, which, by the way, I'm not moving to Milwaukee. Someone asked me that on Facebook. But I was just out of curiosity, I was looking around. Okay, how does the housing market look? Housing costs were really high compared to other areas I looked at. It was very expensive. Even rent is very expensive in Milwaukee. And it's expected to stay up that way, even though rent in most areas are starting to nudge down. And I'm hoping that when I sell my house, I'll still be able to get some good money. But the thing I'm worried about is where I'm moving to, I'm going to be at the complete whim of 
virtually small inventory, so my options are going to be limited. And what does that mean for me next? Home prices slipped for a fourth month. They say the U.S. markets are slowing. I was watching a financial analyst on Yahoo Finance, and one of the things they also mentioned is that prices may go down a percent or two in the next year, but it's not going to be drastic. It's going to stay pretty much status quo because the supply is still low, which raises another question. If you go back five, ten years, or even longer than that, yeah, let's say ten years or uh, 15 years, let's say after 2009, 2010, If you go back and you saw the housing market start to crumble and people were getting really good prices on their homes, now we've seen the cost of homes continue to rise over and over and over again, and it's still a lot higher than where it was before. If you wanted to buy a home then, it was a lot easier, mostly if you were qualified and you can get the loan, and they were more stringent on the loan qualifications. But after that, now, with uh, home prices still high and the demand still high, it means that those that are trying to get into the market for the first time are having a very difficult time. And because of it, a lot of people have given up completely the dream of owning a home. When I was younger, there's a few things that I thought was just the natural progression of life. You graduate college, you get married, you buy a home, you have kids, and then one day you're able to retire and see those kids grow and get grandkids, if you're lucky. And that was the dream. In today's world, people that are 30 or younger don't dream of owning a home anymore because they look at it as unattainable. It's impossible for them to own. And I want to talk about that after the break. Do you know any young homeowners that actually got into the market, or have you basically found that maybe your kids or grandkids, depending on how old you are, have given up on owning a home, and their dream is a lot different than yours. I'd like to hear your story. I'm just trying to do a quick uh, poll in that sense. 855-616-1620. We'll take some of your calls and texts coming up after the break on WTMJ. So it's an interesting uh, Forbes article. Well, I should say Forbes. It might have been posted in Forbes. I saw the write-up aggregated in Yahoo Finance. And this was the topic. The topic was, will homeowners soon be a thing of the past? Millennial homeowners in the future are entering real estate differently. And the expert that was on there said a couple of things. They said, one, they may have given up the dream of homeownership, but they still like the idea of being in control and not having a landlord. So they said, what you're finding is more common is that either they co-sign with their parents So their parents are partially owning the house, so essentially they're renting from their parents, but they're paying the mortgage. The other side is they may have a couple of buddies that get together and say, you know, forget this. We can buy a house on our own. We can pay for it. At least the rent will be stable. We can take care of it because we're young. And we'll just, you know, live together. We'll be roommates, and it'll be fine. So they buy a house together as potential roommates and stay that way. In a lot of ways, that's so untraditional for me because when I was telling you, just like everyone else my age, you kind of had that dream when you were younger that you go to school, you graduate, you get a job, you find a girl, you get married, you have kids, you buy a house, you get a dog and a white picket fence, and then one day you're lucky enough to retire and don't have to work anymore. It's wonderful. And that type of dream, I think a lot of millennials and younger, so under 35 and younger, have pretty much given up on that. And they found alternate ways of living, and they pretty much said, yeah, I'm going to hold back getting married. What's the point of getting married? It's too expensive. You know, I'm having fun. I'll just live with my buddies. We'll get a house together. That is becoming more and more common, which makes me wonder, if you have someone young in your house or maybe under the age of 35, are they buying a home? 
Or are they looking at this and saying, no, home ownership's so old-fashioned. We don't need that anymore. 855-616-1620. Uh, part of this from Home Ownership on Yahoo Finance. Clip number four. We have seen you know, some other kind of life milestones are delayed for the millennial generation. Uh, things like marriage and having kids. So that kind of creates this, this situation where there are folks you know, in their early 30s or late 20s who might think, okay, how about if you know, my parents go in on a house with me? How about if my friends and I go in on a house together? We've got a place to live. Uh, we, we know that the price, you know, that our monthly rent isn't going to keep going up, like if we stay in the rental market. So it's kind of l- folks looking for ways to get into homeownership. And I'm definitely reassured that that the way that they're doing it is not, you know, what we did in 2005 and 2006 with ninja loans and no underwriting and, uh, you know, balloon payments. Mortgage That's underwriting the- is still rock solid and mm-hmm. very strict, frankly, for home buyers. Yeah, and that's one of the big differences that you're seeing is that you're not going to have a big wave of foreclosures that people are underwater on their loans. Uh, Essentially, what you saw back in 2008, 2010, when a lot of people started defaulting and the banks started recollecting the homes, and then you started finding opportunities to buy homes for a cheap price, you know? You're not going to see that again because the qualifications in order to get that loan are a lot higher than they were before, so responsible homeowners are there and a lot of them are holding on to what they got so the big question is will the price go down with less competition maybe here's what my wife and i have started looking around to figure out what we're going to do next when we sell our house and i'm hoping we get a nice profit off of it which i think we will we said well we don't want to get another large mortgage because the interest rates are so high and the difference between our interest rate now versus what we're going to have to get in the future in the next you know five months or whatever whenever we decide to buy again um it's going to be a big impact on our budget. So we have to make up for that somehow. And we started to think of some of the concessions. We're like, well, maybe we just don't buy a home with a basement. Like, we maybe we can't afford things like that anymore. Uh, it's, seriously, that's the, the way we're starting to think. We're like, well, yeah, you know, the basement adds a lot of value, but in space, of course, and that's necessary. But, you know, in order to try to keep the cost down we're going to have to look at so we're already thinking of alternate things that were just concessions we're going to have to take more text messages that are out there one person said we were very blessed before biden messed up our economy their mortgage was 2.9 rate on the house newer vehicles were 1.99 i still think you can get low rates on vehicles mostly because well, I guess earlier this year, even when interest rates started to rise, I got a really good price on a vehicle rate. Uh, one person said, my daughter was 24 when she bought her house three years ago. Oh, hopefully that's going well. But even three years ago, the rates were so much lower, that made it more affordable. One person said, it's possible to become a home homeowner. My son, his first home at the age of 22 without any assistance from anyone. In last year at 28, built the house he and his family. We live in to, until the grandkids are out of school. Oh, great. Isn't that wonderful? Being financially responsible is an important thing in order to meet some of your goals, but it's so difficult. <laughs> you got to make a lot of concessions to be responsible. Uh, my youngest brother bought a home at age 21, sold it three years later, and is now owns his forever home. That's a quick turnaround to sell a home that quickly and go, but maybe you got a really good deal on it. Another person said, I tend to notice lately some young people will buy a van instead of a house and make it into a cool living space. That's depressing. I'm just going to live in my van and be happy with it. Oh boy, I don't know. Like it, normally, living in a van to me is associated with homelessness. It's not necessarily 
associated with, oh, uh, luxury. But what do you do? You, like, get a membership to the Y and just use it for, like, the showering facilities and things like that? One person said on the text message, my son and his wife, 28 and 30, bought a new build townhouse near D.C. They do things like only have one car. Well, yeah, and you're in D.C. A lot of times public transportation uh, can carry you around. You might only need one car. You walk to public transportation or whatever. It's such a impacted small area, but, you know, so highly dense, I should say, in the D.C. area that way. That is expensive. I can't imagine how much they paid for it. I'm guessing with your son and his wife, when they told you how much they paid for that new built townhouse, you nearly had a stroke. 855-616-1620. We'll take a break. I'm Ryan Recker on WTMJ. Producer Charlie on tap with the theme songs today. Very nice. One person texted in, marry the house, not the rate. I have a hard time with that phrase. Here's what comes to mind. Yeah, I'm so much in line with trying to be as responsible as possible because it enables you to live more comfortable. What I don't want to do is try to stress every month where the money's going to come from in order to pay for the mortgage because the mortgage is too high. So I want to fall in love with the house, but there's a lot of houses you fall in love with that you can't afford, and the rate doesn't make things better. So what you got to do is fall in love with a rate and a house. Maybe both of them are necessary. One person said, I got a 2.7 interest rate a year and a half ago. Thank you, President Biden. (laughs) Okay, you got lucky. But right now, you wouldn't be thanking President Biden when you're trying to get a 6% or 6.5%. It makes a huge difference in your monthly payment. And that's where I'm at. I'm old enough where in the past I would get 30-year mortgages. But now I have to start looking at 15-year mortgages because I have some equity built up. And I don't want to have to continue to pay on the house forever. I want to at least try to get it paid off before I retire. It would be wonderful if I get to retire. Like, let's look at this, for example. Confident Gen Z plans to retire more than a decade earlier than boomers. <laughs> I almost have to laugh at this one. If you're a boomer and you've been working for a long time, what have they told you the entirety of your life? They've said, you're not going to be able to draw from Social Security. By the time you're older, it's not going to be there for you. What happens? Well, you're older and it's there for you. You're probably drawn from it right now if you're an older listener. Uh, Gen Z, if you had to guess, would their Social Security be there? Odds are no. So what does Gen Z think is going to happen when it's time for them to retire? And they spent all of their money on experiences and none on savings. Do you think they're going to be able to retire at the age of 59? Millennials expect to be able to retire at the age of 61. Boomers said that they want to retire by the age of 71. So there's a big disconnect there. And I don't really know who's right. And who knows? Maybe they'll be able to. Maybe they're banking on the idea that the government's going to take care of them. We'll go to some kind of like social income that some of these wacky, you know, Bernie Sanders types propose to say there should be uh, government will take care of all your needs in that sense. And you won't have to work anymore and you'll be able to retire at 59. No, I don't think so. It just seems so unrealistic. But either way, I hope that we're being financially responsible with ourselves and planning for the future. Because even if you look at the amount of people that live paycheck to paycheck with zero savings, that number is so high. It's scary because what's going to happen when you're older? I don't want you to get stuck in one of those buildings, government paid, that doesn't have heat during the winter. I don't want that for you.
We'll have another hour coming up. I'm Ryan Recker filling in. Don't go anywhere. 855-616-1620 on WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now filling in for Jeff Wagner, here's your host, Ryan Recker. All right. Thanks for the support. I've had fun filling in on this radio station over the past uh, several months, so I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas. Happy New Year there. If you want to reach the show this past hour, this last hour, I should say, 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620 is the number. I saw this poll, and this might be the last show I do on WTMJ for a long time. I'm, I'm actually going to be moving here soon. I got another uh, radio station job I'm going to be starting up. So I, I just wanted to at least point out I'm very appreciative of all the support I received from this audience and the people that reached out to me and social media, things like that, emails. It's been fantastic. So I wanted to make sure I thank you for that. But I'm also saying that for the reason because uh, I hate this topic, and I'm going to do it anyway because I feel why not? There's a Fox News poll that said 58% of voters are not glad Donald Trump is running again. And I thought that was obvious to a lot of people. I don't think there's a lot of people that are actually happy. That, and I, if I had to guess, I would say a majority of people are unhappy that he's running again. I think there are people that traditionally vote Republican, like myself included, aren't happy that he's running again. I don't think that he should run again. Now, I can quantify that in different ways. I can say, historically speaking, he would do a better job than Joe Biden right now. I I think he would be handling so many different uh, problems that we have in our country in a such better way than Joe Biden. So if he was still president, I'd take the drama and exchange also collect all of the benefits of having him as president. But now that he's out of office, and I think about all the Republicans and those that could be running for office and may be running for president next time around, I'm not happy he's in the mix. I was hoping that he would be satisfied with being the former president and perhaps keeping the popularity that way, going to rallies, doing rallies, supporting other candidates, maybe fighting some of the injustices that happened to him and the way he looks at it and using that and just enjoying the rest of his life. You know, no one's getting younger. President Biden, what is he, 80 years old? And they're anticipating him running again. They're going to make the announcement after the new year. It's what a lot of people anticipate. That's silly to me. What are you doing at 80 years old? You really want to be doing this? You'll be 82 if you are reelected. Are you kidding? Like, you, can barely, <laughs> you can barely manage things now. And still to that point, you don't talk to the press anymore. And you haven't rarely talked to the press over the first couple of years of yourself in office. And on top of that, you can't be challenged. You disappear for long periods of time. You're at home more than you're at the White House. Your cabinet's a mess. I mean, you look at all of these things and the scandals that are running around you. It's no better than the Trump administration in some ways. But the only problem is now we have high inflation. uh, Economy's bad. Companies are laying off. Things aren't great. So I'm looking at this and saying, come on now. Uh, Maybe President Biden, think about it. Don't run for re-election. President Trump, think about it. Don't try to run again. I think most people don't want this. And I would be remiss if I didn't ask you the question. What side are you on? 
And, and the Fox News does this. Uh, Fox News does the poll. Fifty-eight percent of voters not glad Trump is running again. They're not happy with it. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. And I know there's going to be a lot of people that are happy with it. That's fine. And there's going to be a lot of people unhappy with it. I just feel there's more people that are not happy with it. And that's what this poll reflects. And that's what I tend to believe in a situation like this. I'm just going to take a quick little tally. I got my pen here. I'm going to say, are you happy or not happy? And what I'll do is uh, I'll take a quick little poll. So if you want to text in or call in, you can. 855-616-1620. A couple of things later this hour, Amazon's going to continue their drone deliveries in a couple of different cities. Do you think these drones could survive in Milwaukee? I really don't know. There's a message to shoppers. If you're planning on returning an item, you may get really lucky when you go to return it. Uh, Do you hate your job? How about you try not hating your job? We can talk about that, too. And there's a lot of other things I want to try to get to this hour before we go to Wisconsin's afternoon news. I'm Ryan Recker, 855-616-1620 on WTMJ. Welcome back. So going off a Fox News poll, their poll indicates 58% of people are not happy Donald Trump is deciding to run for president again. And personally, I was hoping he wouldn't. I was hoping that he would stay out of it. It would be nice to clear the way for the Republicans to come in. And there's some really strong candidates. If you look at Ron DeSantis, who's really setting the stage there, I think that's the stronger play for Republicans. And that's what I was hoping would happen. I want to put the strongest play forward. But not everyone feels the same way. 855-616-1620. Just going to do a quick poll. Uh, One person said both need to be gone. So I'll say happy for that one. One person said boo. That's a pretty good one. Another one said, unhappy. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Another person said, 100% not happy about Trump running again. Okay. Here's one that said, um, talking about Southwest. Okay, I get that. Let's take some of your calls on this. 855-616-1620. Let's go to Melissa, who's holding on. Welcome to WTMJ. Hi, Melissa. Hi. Are you happy or unhappy Donald Trump is running for office? I'm, ha- I'm happy with a condition of who he's going to have for vice president. I was hoping it was going to be a Trump-DeSantis run, but now with all the all the talk and stuff between, I don't know, sometimes Trump's got to just zip it, but um, putting his foot <laughs> in his mouth. But boy, that would have been a solid, solid run right there. They would have okay. it by a landslide if those two were together. So you want to see a strong running mate to solidify things. What if it's the running mate like DeSantis who only would satisfy or would only want to be the main ticket event? He wouldn't be satisfied with being a running mate. You know, I'm a huge fan of DeSantis, too, um, but I'm also a fan of Trump. I think they both have really great things to offer. Um, okay. You know, I've been a hardcore Trumper from day one, so I... I, I when you know back when everyone was up on the panel in early 2016 I was rooting for Trump you know even though I was rooting for Scott Walker too I wouldn't have been sad if you know the only one left would have been Trump and I was happy he got what he got okay. and got um, I don't know he's, he's my guy so all right thanks Melissa I appreciate that so I put you down in the happy category uh, here's another text message as a moderate my vote carries significant extra weight I would never vote for Trump so I'll put you in the not category so right now we're five to one five not happy one happy 
if you look at the Fox News poll, it was closer to 50-50, edging and leaning towards not happy. In this case, for the audience and at least the text messages, so many people are unhappy with this. Let's go to, let's see, Ray and Racine. Welcome to WTMJ. Hi. Hi. I'm a, I'm a diehard Trumper, just like your, the lady that just got off. I'm going to tell you what, he, he's run the country good. He, he did a heck of a job. We didn't have inflation, a lot of jobs. The he, he, uh, U.S. is the laughing stock of the whole world. And here you got somebody that's insane in the White House, that his, his uh, babysitter, Bo's babysitter, leading him around like that. That dummy don't know nothing. That guy should be <laughs> in the insane okay, asylum. Hold on. Are you calling his wife his babysitter? Is that what you're <laughs> To say, yeah, like, well, that's who, to... that's who he was poking when I'm his wife was up, alive yeah. and, and Bull was a, a baby, uh, a kid. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of controversy there, Ray. Thank you very much. All right, so Ray is happy. So that's two for happy, five for not. Here's another text message. I'm super happy. Trump is running for president again. Uh, DeSantis-Trump debates will be epic. Okay. Another person said, let's see, great show today when I was... A kid, I got the nickname Ricky the Wrecker because I was a habit of smashing toys. <laughs> okay, great. Let's go to Bill in Lake Geneva. Welcome to WTMJ. Go ahead. Hey, uh, ex-President Donald Trump has had his mark on the Republican Party. Um, it will we'll never get back to pre-Donald Trump and the Republican Party. Um, he's too divisive. He will uh, once again try to take down the entire party. Uh, in order for him to do anything that will win. And that's not what the Republican Party can use at this point. We need a unified, uh, altogether unified Republican Party, and Donald Trump is not that candidate to do that. So I'm not oh. happy that he's going to be throwing yeah. his, um, his backlash against everyone else, even yeah. other Republicans. So I'm not All happy. right, got it. Bill, thank you very much for the call. I'll put you down for not happy. So right now we're at six not happy, three happy. So that's a pretty big majority for not happy so far. Small sample size, sure. One person messaged in, you have been a great fill-in host. I will miss you after you venture into a new opportunity. Oh, that's really nice. Thank you for the text message. Uh, one person said, unhappy, Trump, just go away. All right, they'll put that the unhappy. Um, who roots for people in politics? It's not a game. Okay. You know, I, I kind of root for people I like that are going to stand up for important things, things that are important to me. So I, I want to root for their success. I'd rather root for someone that will share the same values that I have, as opposed to see someone get in office that does not share the values and actually vote against how I would want to vote. So yeah, I root for someone that's going to stand up for things that I find important. Uh, here's another one. Trump all the way. Okay. Put that down as happy. Another person said, conservative, independent, never Trump again. I think that's the Paul Ryan phrase that he used with Steve Scafidi some months ago. One person said, voted for Donald twice, but it's time for Ron DeSantis. So, okay, we'll put that as not happy there. Let's go to Connie in Portage. Welcome to WTMJ. Hi, Connie. Hi. Um, I don't want him to run again. And... Uh... But I just was, the guy that just called in that was talking about Biden being so bad and slow and the baby and all of this and stupid, well, he didn't even have proper English. So before he starts running people down, maybe he should educate himself a little bit. And that's all I have to say. Bye-bye. Thanks. 
Thanks, Connie. I appreciate that. That's <laughs> So Connie comes on and says, I'm calling just so I could call out the other caller. I think it was Ray who was calling before. I've got to correct the record. Oh, that's great. So we have callers that are now creating beefs with each other. Uh, text message says, I'm unhappy because I think he severely adds to all of the general hostility and arguing. So not happy. So right now we're at 10 not happy, 4 happy. So on Fox's poll, they said 58% said they were unhappy, at least polling this audience. There's a lot more unhappy people listening right now. They don't like the idea of him running again. 855-616-1620. I thought this would be more portionate to where the Fox poll laid, but it turns out I think a lot of people in this audience are ready to turn away from him and at least ready to move on. Move on is the right way to, to put it. We'll take some more of your calls, your comments coming up after the break. 855-616-1620 on WTMJ. All right, let's go through some more of these text messages. Uh, one person said, not happy, can't stand Trump, and yes, you are doing a great job. Oh, that's really nice. Here's where I'm at right now, I'll, and this is based on the Fox News poll. 58% of those responded to the Fox News poll said they are not happy that Donald Trump is running again. I thought that number would be a little higher, honestly, and that's why we're polling the audience, and I'm taking a tally. As of right now, it's 11 not happy to 4 happy. And if you want to call in or you want to text in, 855-616-1620. More text messages. Uh, phone lines are open. One person said, another communist. I don't exactly know what you mean by that. So is the communist, uh, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know. Here's another one. Trump is a disease. We need to move on. Okay, I'm going to put you as not happy. Uh I like his policies, but he has too much baggage, okay? And I think some of the things we're saying about Donald Trump now, very similar to the things that a lot of people said, and myself included, back when he ran for office in 2016. Then he became the candidate, and you thought, well, I want him over Hillary Clinton, and I'm so glad we had him over Hillary Clinton. But there's a lot of drama that swirls in association with him. Uh, one person said, let's see, text messages again, Trump all the way, okay? Here's one that said, where are these Trump people coming from? He ruined politics and needs to be not going to read that last part. Uh, okay, he didn't ruin politics. I won't say that. I will say that if we were to go back and listen to a lot of his speeches and the things that he said at the time where he was called a liar ended up being very true. I think that the way that the Democratic Party and a lot of people and the American people treated him were completely unfair. And I think a lot of people look at his policies and the way the economy and some of these other major, um, you know, it, at least as a Republican, I can tell you the things I really thought were great. His ability to get people on the Supreme Court was a huge, long-lasting effect that will, I mean, through my entire lifetime, will have an effect, which is fantastic because it helped enable some of these other policies, constitutional policies, as opposed to trying to rely on more of these, you know, social policies, the ones where they try to rewrite the Constitution based on where they think society should go as opposed to the fundamental principles of the Constitution. Though so that's important, having judges and Supreme Court justices in place that uphold the Constitution. I think the economy was doing great. I think the way he handled China, North Korea, some of these other foreign entities were very important because I never thought I would see anyone stand up for China, uh, against China, I should say. And he also stood up against Russia. He issued more sanctions against Russia than any other president before him, a little bit different now since of the Ukraine situation, what the United States has ramped up. Um, I thought those were all important things. And 
he, you know, stood up for life. You saw that as a pro-life person. He was the first person to actually go to the rally. That's a pretty important feat. And though he may be complete opposite of what you would think of as a good Christian, uh, <laughs> but he stood up for life, and that's good. So I, I look at some of the controversies, and I would offset that if things were to go back pre-pandemic time, as in the way my life was and the way things were going. It was better. It was easier. Okay, so if you're wondering where these people are coming from, I think maybe there's a some of that rooted in it. Uh, one person said, not happy. Okay, let's put that down. Uh, and yes, okay, there's that. Okay, not happy. I'm happy about it, but probably for a different reason. As an independent who leans Democratic, I think Trump is the only candidate that Biden can beat. Okay, so you're happy because you think it's an easy target, and you want to be able to put up an easy target on the other side. One person says he brings too much baggage. Okay. Another person says unhappy, loved what he did, despised his personality. Okay, I think that's fair. Uh, Ryan, I was grocery shopping. Um, oh, no. Okay, I'll, I'll get to that, Jeff. Thank you for that text message. No Trump. Okay, so here's the thing. I'm just going down the list here. There are so many people that are done with it, and they just want it to be over. And I go from one after another after another, and I'm writing not happy, not happy, not happy. Um, here's one, happy. But by this time, it's not even close to 58% to, you know, 42% or anything like that. It's more like, you know, 70-30. People are not happy that he's running. So this Fox News poll may not necessarily reflect how people truly feel about this situation. I don't know if that'll change over time. If he becomes a candidate and you have to, the as they said, hold your nose, and maybe a lot of people would do that again. But I think that it's time to mod, and I think a lot of other people feel that way too. And I hope that the... The, 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 the direction, the winds that are moving in that direction reach to Donald Trump, and he realizes that and goes softly into the wind, not so much brashly into it with insults, but we know how that goes. We're going to add some of the uh, text messages. Thanks for these messages. Some people... Uh, wondering what's going to happen to me. Yeah, so I accepted a radio job, not in Milwaukee. And I got to say, the past six months, just kind of doing fill-in work. I've had a lot of fun, and I really appreciate the management and all the people I met filling in at WTMJ and so many great broadcasters here. It's just uh, one of those radio geeky dream jobs. And I know there's a lot of people that are happy to be here. So, and I just mean that in passing. I'm not trying to make this into a thing or try to, you know, really play off of it. But some people are messaging because they heard me mention something. And I just want to say, you know, thank you all for the support over the past six months. It's been a lot of fon So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I uh, can't really announce what's happening next, but hopefully soon. All right, here is uh, a story in the Washington, not Washington Post, New York Post. Oh, Jeff from Fox Point. Every time I filled in, guess what? Jeff from Fox Point would text in, so I appreciate that. What a familiar, familiar name on the text messaging line. Thank you for that. All right, let me go to the New York Post. So the New York Post is looking at what they do at the end of each year. What does Notre Dame think is going to happen in 2023? Obviously, it is nothing to bet on. It is nothing of significance. It is just one of those stupid things like reading your horoscope out of the back of the newspaper. It means nothing to your life. Uh, the stars don't care you're a Gemini, and it doesn't impact you whatsoever. However, they can put the words together in a way that make it sound like it's impactful. It can sound like there's some meaning behind it, but there's really not. 
And it's almost like a fun thing. You look at it and say, yeah, okay, you know, this could be fun to read, even though it means nothing, but it's still fun. So let's look at the predictions of Notre Dame in 2023. Prediction number one. Like the sun, the head shall sear the shining sea. The black sea's living fish shall all but boil. So they're saying that uh, global warming will kill fish this year. Okay, that's the takeaway on that. Here's another one. They predict uh, celestial fire for the royal edifice, meaning that, taken literally, they think maybe a meteor will hit Buckingham Palace, or more likely, (laughs) Prince Harry and Meghan Markle will get to a tipping point, and it'll take down the royals. That's what their uh, prediction is, Notre Dame-wise. Another one said that uh, we're not far away from the Antichrist coming. Okay, I mean, it's hard to predict that one, but that's the third big one. And number four, World War III. Said seven months great war, people dead through evil. So this could apply to the devastating conflict in Ukraine. It might be a little bit late. But they look at the war crimes that Russia has committed, the civilian death toll, and really targeting civilians. Vladimir Putin, not so good of a guy. Maybe that's the prediction that World War III will start next year. Uh, I don't know if that one is uh, a good one or a bad one. I almost want, don't take me wrong when I say this, but we need to see intervention from the United States in a more direct way. The United States, when it comes to Ukraine and Russia, We've given Ukraine lots of money. We've given Ukraine resources. We've given Ukraine weapons and missiles. And there's all of these things. And it was, I think General Kellogg was on Fox not that long ago, maybe a couple nights ago. And he argued that we're already in a proxy war. We're so invested in Ukraine right now, we might as well be able to act on Ukraine's behalf. And in this case, that should give us enough, uh, you know, uh, enough muscle in the game to go in and just demand Russia stop this or we interfere or intervene. So maybe that's how World War III starts. Maybe the way they look at it is if Ukraine can't stop it through diplomacy or through their own fighting will to be invaded, then maybe it's going to take the proxy war of the United States to step in to say enough's enough. It's going to be cheaper for us to just stop you once and for all. Your military is a joke. It's depleted. Your own people don't want to fight for you anymore. We can put something up. And we feel like the possibility of you being able to put up a defense is low, so this would be relatively quick, as opposed to giving billions of more dollars to Zelensky and Ukraine to fight this and just have it go on indefinitely. How about we just end this now and call it a day? Maybe the United States tries something like that in 2023. Uh, Odds are not with Joe Biden as president, so it's very unlikely something like that happens. But either way, I think that we're going to have to see more countries stepping up and saying we need to be more proactive on the front line, not with boots on the ground, but front line meaning negotiations to stop this with Russia, as opposed to just waiting for it to naturally come to an ending point. Uh, I think that's what we want to see. All right, 855-616-1620 is the number. Another story I wanted to get to, Amazon starting to deliver packages via drones. I don't know if I like this. I was thinking about the areas where they're testing this from, and they're not heavily populated. College Station, Texas. Uh, Lockford, California. When you think of those two places, you don't think major metropolitan cities. I mean, there are people that live there. Sure, they're large areas, you know, but they're not like, oh, we're starting this in Los Angeles and New York. I don't know if you could navigate a drone automatically through the skyscrapers, but let's think about Milwaukee. 
you have a metropolitan area, but you do have the ability for a drone to move around. But then again, you're not going to be delivering these things to apartment complexes because I think you need individual lawns and properties to drop packages off. What are you going to do? You're going to have a drone on the roof of that person's building and drop it into a puddle of water on that roof? No, of course you can't do that. But let's just say hypothetically, drones are zipping around, Amazon drones, through the surrounding area, the suburbs of Milwaukee. Would you even like something like that? I wouldn't. I wouldn't want a drone dropping a package in my pool or in the middle of my front lawn. I just think that would be weird. And then also, I don't want a drone getting stuck in one of my trees or a power line and knocking my power off. And I also don't want anyone near me trying to shoot down the drone in the sky. Because let's be honest, in dangerous areas, Milwaukee included, you're telling me that if these Amazon drones were commonplace, no one would shoot at them? Think they would just allow them to freely fly around? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. People do terrible things to other human beings. They're not going to have any reservation shooting at a drone. So maybe it would be a bad thing to have these things zipping around delivering packages. And what if it was my package? What if it shows up with a bullet hole through it? 855-616-1620. I'm not a fan. I don't know if these could survive Milwaukee, let alone some of these other major areas. Amazon's going to uh, begin drone deliveries. We'll see where this goes. I think Walmart's already tested it before. 855-616-1620 on WTMJ. Got a couple other stories I want to get to that are not drone-related. Um, here's the text message, though. If the drone delivers to the correct address, I'm all for it. Last two weeks, drivers delivered packages to the wrong address and not just a couple of numbers off. You know, that's happened in my neighborhood, and I've noticed that it normally happens when the regular mailman's out. So it's normally a mailman will work five days, and then they'll have a second person work a day, right? So they don't work six-day weeks. Sometimes they take vacation time or whatever it is. I've noticed that when the main mailman is off, it's a highly likely chance that my package, if coming through USPS, is delivered to another house. But the strange thing is it always goes to the same person, and it's not necessarily a close number. You don't think there would be a lot of confusion to it. But I went down to the person's house once, and I talked to him, and we got to know each other. And I got his cell phone, and I said, hey, how about we text each other if we ever get each other's packages? And you know what? It's always him getting ours. But at least I can text him and say, hey, did you get our thing? So hopefully you can arrange that with some of your neighbors. I got a couple of other things that I was talking about. And Amazon is really good when it comes to returning items. Sometimes you're buying from third parties from Amazon, and that's just how it works. But the return policy is great. I think, not is it FedEx or one of them or UPS? You can actually return the item through them. Kohl's is great for this, too. You don't even have to package it up like you're going to put it in the mail. You can just bring the item straight to a Kohl's with your receipt, and they'll send it back to Amazon for you for a refund. I don't know how many times this has happened to me, but I've requested a refund. Hey, I want to return this item. They'll ask me a question, and then they'll say, oh, don't worry about dropping it off. You just keep it, and then we'll still give you the money back. And I was like, wait, what? That's strange, right? You don't actually want the physical item? I would say that's, in the past couple of years, happened to me a few times. It's not always, because we don't return a lot to Amazon, but it happens sometimes. And as it turns out, Forbes did a story about this, not with Amazon, but other big retailers like Walmart. 
So they were talking about a story where you get your Christmas gift and maybe it's an electronic or maybe it's a cheap TV or maybe it's clothes or whatever. And you say, you know, ah, this ain't for me. Thanks for the gift, but I hope you kept the receipt. And you go to return the item and you stand in line or whatever. And you know what they end up saying in the end? You know what? We don't want it back. You keep it and we'll still give you a refund. So some people are finding that big box stores are better like managing their money and sometimes they realize it costs more money to accept, reprocess, and reshelf an item than it does if they just write it off as a loss in going through that whole process again. And sometimes they set their prices with the understanding that this may happen. So it's like, okay, it's just written in. We'll just write it off, and we'll still come out ahead in the end. Walmart, Target, some of these other places are doing that. And people are like, wait, I don't get it. This is so contradictory to anything I've ever known when it comes to the shopping experience. It says 60% of retailers are tightening their return policies. Walmart, Sam's Club, and other large retailers. uh, 41% of the retailers are now charging for returning items. And then you turn it around and look at it, and some of them are just giving you the money back. They're just allowing you to, hey, get the refund without actually returning the item. Amazon being like that. Other people are saying, okay, here, 27-year-old got ended up getting a free pair of Nike Air Jordans because he bought this as a Christmas gift for his father-in-law. His father-in-law opened it up and said, oh, you know, I don't like the color. So he's like, okay, I'll get you a different one. Pops, don't worry. Goes to return it, and they're like, we don't want your return shoes. Keep the shoes. We'll give you the money back. He said, no big deal. He's a frequent shopper of Nike's uh, loyalty program. He gets free returns, all of these things. So he's like, maybe this is just their way of treating customers better. It's such a weird way to think. Maybe you've encountered that too. 855-616-1620 is the number if you want to call or text the show. Uh, When we come back, we're going to check in with Greg Matzik, Wisconsin's Afternoon News. It's been a little while since I've talked to him. Sporting World, uh, I wonder where he's at when it comes to the big college bowl games that are coming up here. Uh, I'm always curious about that. One other uh, quick story before we go to break. I don't know if you noticed, but this might be the right time to purchase a Tesla. Uh, Tesla stock has been tanking as of late. I think some of it has to do with the divisive nature of Elon Musk. Personally, I like Elon Musk. I think he's great. But what they're finding is that now people are trying to sell Teslas, and they thought, oh, this is great. There's such a high demand for Teslas right now. They'll go to sell it, and they find there's no one there to buy it. So the days of paying a premium, even for a secondhand Tesla, are over because the supply is much higher than the demand as we speak. Isn't that strange? I think that has to do in some parts with the peak prices going for, you know, sixty-seven grand, fifty-five grand. That's a big drop when you talk about a ten thousand dollar drop over the past time. When considering the chip shortages and the electronic shortages, people are abandoning ship on these things. Um so if you ever wanted one, this might be the time, but I would be cautious in buying any electric vehicle right now with the way these batteries are. 